0: episode 54, Coordinating Uncoordinated Referrals. Today, I speak with Dr. Adam Sharp, co-founder and chief medical officer of Pareto.
1: American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know, talking. Relentlessly seeking value.
0: There are certain dangerous points along the continuum of care. These are the places where patients tend to fall off their care path. And as we all know, patients who have fallen off their care path generally mean bad outcomes. One of these danger points, maybe even the biggest danger point, is the point of referral. The moment when a PCP says to a patient, you know, you really should go see a specialist. Today, I'm really pleased to speak with Dr. Adam Sharp, who is one of the original founders of Cermo and is currently working with Pareto, where he is a co-founder and chief medical officer. We talk about how to help providers help patients navigate that dangerous point of referral and keep them well on their care path. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Franklin HealthCom. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Adam.
1: Thank you, Stacey. It's a pleasure to be with you today.
0: Why don't we talk about Pareto, which is your latest
1: venture? Absolutely. One of my favorite subjects. Pareto is a venture that uh, I co-founded with Dr. Daniel Palestrant back in 2011. Pareto actually began as a bit of a skunkworks project while we were in our last venture, CERMO. We spun Pareto out uh, in November of 2011 into a new company. The core value proposition, the core premise that we founded the company based upon has not changed uh, since 2011. And, and that is that Daniel and I set out to create a, a universal technology, an easily accessible technology that we have subsequently coined a healthcare operating system that would focus very intently on helping to improve the efficiency of patients transitioning from one place in the healthcare system to the next, i.e. the moment of patient referral. So as I said, we're we're a healthcare operating system and our, our core focus is ensuring that we help to match and successfully transition the right patient to the right resource at the right time.
0: I definitely want to get into exactly how you do that, but something I read on your website intrigued me. On one of the pages it says you can't manage risk without managing referrals. What do you, what do you mean by that?
1: That's a fantastic question. Coming out of the ACA, we kind of took a step back and said, well, you know, this is going to as we like to say shake up the healthcare snow globe. We knew that there would be a lot of evolution in the way that healthcare services are both provided and paid for. And as the the broader healthcare economy shifts from a traditional fee-for-service payment structure to that of uh, population health and a more proactive kind of engaged approach to ensuring that, 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 that patients with specific disease processes or with specific risk profiles are gaining access to the care that they need and being proactively managed, we identified that you really couldn't take on that type of, of population health management or risk adjudication without being able to effectively align the interests of what we refer to as the three Ps, and that is the patient, the provider, and the payer. We further identified that moment of transition in care or the moment of referral when a patient has either a change in diagnosis or an escalation in their care, i.e. they're in need of a specialty consult, they're in need of a new diagnostic test. That is a very opportune moment where those three parties, the patient, payer, and the provider, all have a keen interest in ensuring that that patient is transitioned as intelligently and as effectively as possible. For folks that are trying to stand up ACOs, for folks that are trying to do narrow network design, it's absolutely critical that patients are effectively transitioned to the most appropriate resources that are participating in those plan designs. If patients were to stray outside of that pool of resources, it has detrimental effects to the cost that the patient ultimately uh, incurs and to the ability for that collaborative pool of providers and resources to, to actually improve that patient's overall health care um, by aligning their efforts with one another.
0: We're straying into population health
1: mm-hmm.
0: management here. And I actually, I have heard, I was reading something by Dan Monroe, who is a Forbes contributor for healthcare the other day. And he he did actually say something like population health is coordinated care or, or, or something along those lines. And I know you've mentioned team care in prior conversations that I've had with you. Mm-hmm. Could you just expound a little bit on how that statement coordinated care equals population health might be true or how coordinated care leads to population health management?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I very much agree with that, that statement. The, the namesake of the company Pareto is based on uh, an, an economist, Vilfredo Pareto, who came up with a number of, of economic principles. Um, one of them being the eighty twenty rule that a lot of people are familiar with, but the principle that he came up with that really is the foundational element of of what we felt was lacking in healthcare is that of Pareto optimization, that of ensuring that patients who need access to various resources are able to most effectively gain access to those resources. In order to do that, you'd need to be able to enable those who are seeking resources to have better visibility into the resources that are available to them, and those who have availability of resources to have better visibility into the pool of prospective consumers of those resources. I don't want to stray away from your question around coordinated care. You know, there's been a lot of work and some very good work done over the past five years or so around data analytics, around being able to Pull large amounts of data from, you know, say systems like electronic medical records and other payment systems, and then be able to, being able to extrapolate insight from that data that can ultimately be applied back into how we provide care to patients. I think that there, there's some very good work that's being done there. Having said that, I do believe that you get a significant amount of, of value. For uh, by, by just ensuring that team of providers that are providing care for any given patient have the ability to align their efforts with one another. Insight and data is very valuable, but in, in, in the absence of an ability to kind of apply that data into the day-to-day blocking and tackling of patient care, it sits in a vacuum, and it isn't incredibly useful. What Pareto has been focusing on is how do we achieve a number of objectives? How do we ensure that when a patient is in need of a resource, that we effectively help them to gain access to that resource? How do we give them the visibility that they need into the most appropriate resource for their that's commensurate to their need? And how do we enable the providers that are actually caring for these patients to share information with one another, to coordinate and align their efforts to care for these patients with one another? In a world where you know, interoperability still remains a bit of a, a hope and a prayer. You know, there's been some, some good strides forward on that. And where you've got multiple different, you know, EMR data repository data retrieval systems in place that aren't really able to, to interact and, and share information with one another. We, we took the approach of, look, everybody's got access to the internet. And if we have a cloud-based system, one that can actually be accessible to, to the greatest number of people, whether it's via a desktop application, a, a web browser, or through actual integration into the EMR platforms, which which we are doing in a number of our deployments. If we can create that common denominator that enables providers, their staff... And patients to all participate in the process of patients uh, navigating them their way intelligently through the system, along with the data that's necessary to ensure that you aren't getting repetition of tests and that you aren't, and, and, and that providers are, are actually able to to collaborate. You would get a huge benefit, and to a large degree, that's that's what we've been able to prove.
0: So it almost seems like what Pareto is offering. And I'd love to get into the Pareto system right now so that we can mm-hmm. uh, explore a little bit more deeply some of the things that you're, you're talking about that Pareto does. But it almost seems like, in, I think you said it very succinctly before, that you've got to block and tackle before you can, you can achieve a, a strategy or a, a goal as lofty as, you know, in quotes, population health.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, you need an infrastructure in place. You need an infrastructure in place within a a microcosm or an ecosystem within any given market, within any given healthcare delivery system, or around any given plan design that enables all of the participants, the providers, their staff, and the patients to all work collaboratively with one another. And, you know, once you have that kind of common denominator, that, that technology infrastructure in place, you, you can do a lot of really, really interesting things. You can begin to support patients as they are trying to, to understand what are the various costs that are, that are going to be incurred on their part. You can begin to enable providers to collectively take on risk because now they know that when, when a, when a when they're trying to collectively care for a patient and take on the risk of caring for that patient from a financial perspective they're able to do so in a way where they have a means to align their efforts and there's an old adage that often the best solution is the most obvious solution you know that's kind of the approach that we've been taking let's let's design very intuitive easy to engage with technologies let's create a a means to to insert the utilization of those technologies into the clinical workflow. And let's engage folks at a, at a moment in time when they really are in need of support and guidance. So far, so good. We've been at it for about four years now and, and we're seeing some very nice results.
0: So let's, let's talk about that Pareto system. You know, what it's basically a system to manage referrals in order to make sure that at these critical inflection points when a patient has just gotten a new diagnosis or is moving from one setting of care to another setting of care. I mean, those are crucial points that bad things Mm -hmm. can happen and that there is a a lot of patient drop-off. Correct. How does Pareto at a very concrete level, you know, so mm-hmm. maybe you could sort of describe the patient provider experience. Let, let's, let's start with before. So mm-hmm. what's a typical experience of a patient and or provider? Patient comes in, they realize that they're going to need a referral to another doctor. Pareto, let's just say is not in the picture. Like, what's the problem? Let's, let's focus it. on that.
1: We, we were very fortunate in that our last venture, Surmo, which we had grown to the largest online physician community, I believe still is. In fact, I just saw a press release in Samarov's now gone international. Our, our core competency was that of market research. So Before we began designing any kind of a user interface or building any kind of a product around referral management, we did literally thousands of surveys of providers and staff trying to get an understanding as to how patients are currently managed as they transition from one place to another today. This was, of course, back in 2010, 2011, but to a large degree, this has not changed and the EMRs have not really improved this, the state of the state, if you will. And for the most part, patients were being handed a, a piece of paper and you know, the other provider was deciding, okay, it's time to go see a cardiologist and here is a name of a cardiologist and you know it was up to the patient to then take matters into their own hands and to, to reach out to the cardiologist and to schedule that appointment. What Pareto does is it takes a process that was once very what we call reactive or analog, and it makes it much more proactive and and digital in that, as I, as I mentioned previously, we, we use what's known as the lowest common denominator approach. So whether the provider or the staff that's supporting that provider is interfacing with the Pareto system through a direct EMR integration, so within their own EMR, via a, a desktop application that sits in the system tray on their desktop, which is a very easy, small piece of code that, that that's remotely installed, or via our web-based user interface for those that perhaps haven't even moved to an EMR yet, we knew that the system needed to be universally accessible. So we focused very carefully on making sure that no matter what kind of a practice setting you're in, you could interface with the Pareto technology. We then also focused on on what we called a PhD design thesis, which stands for Push Here Doctor. So i.e., when when folks interact with the Pareto technologies, they, they, we often hear it feels a lot more like perhaps interacting with an Apple product than interacting with the the kind of heavier EMR technologies that, that, that they've become accustomed to. The time necessary to initiate a transitioning care or initiate a referral within Pareto is earmarked to 30 to 60 seconds. Oftentimes, we're able to pull some of the demographic data and much of the clinical data directly from the EMR. If we're in, a, in an environment where we haven't uh, done that integration yet, we're then able to, um, will the end users are then able to easily attach clinical data, perhaps a CCD that they export from their EMR, or we actually, through our desktop capabilities, enable them to to screenshot various pieces of information that would be relevant to um, that specific care event. And, and that's it. They, they essentially enter some some demographic data. They choose a recipient provider or resource for that patient. And, and we should speak more about that and, and, and as to how we are able to recommend the most appropriate resource for, to, for that patient. And, and then they hit send. On the recipient side, we have transitioned from, again, what used to be a very reactive process where folks would wait for the patient to call to one where now they're being informed that a patient is in need of their services and encouraged to pick up the phone, proactively call that patient. And get that patient scheduled for, for that next step in their care. We provide them a dashboard, what we call a work queue that shows uh, all, all transitions of care that have been initiated by that, by, by that entity that have been received by that entity. And then we actually enable asynchronous communication between the two parties. So if there's another piece of data that the recipient provider needs from this referring provider, they can ask for it um, asynchronously uh, rather than having to call them. We, we try to get away from the fax machine as much as possible so we're, they're able to then attach data and, and share data back and forth. And then once the, the care event on the recipient side has occurred, we're actually able to uh, round trip the data, so send a care note back to the referring provider. The idea behind the process that we've put in place is that of transparency, that at any given time the referring provider can see the state of that transition in care. You know, Has it been accepted by the recipient provider? Do they perhaps need a pre-authorization to be done in order to get the patient scheduled? Just really bringing in efficiency to the whole process of ensuring that patients don't drop off and, and, and don't get lost to follow-up.
0: Just kind of Summarizing the the process starts out. Provider realizes that a referral is going to be necessary. Say, let's mm-hmm. just say they have the the Pareto system installed in their health system. What they mm-hmm. do is they they type in Pareto referral, and your window pops up.
1: Yeah, they either uh, click on their desktop agent uh, functionality, or they click on a button within their own EMR that then initiates a Pareto session.
0: So then the Pareto, um, so the Pareto session then pops up. Correct they say, I need a endocrinologist or, you know, a Correct. orthopod sure. or whatever. So, and then a list of recommended resources mm-hmm. pops up, which we will, I will ask you later how exactly you select who is popping up. Sure. Um, but a list of potential, as you say, re- resources or ref- doctors to potentially refer to will pop up. They mm-hmm. select one. Um, I'm a provider. I select one off that list. I, click that person's name, then somehow automatically in the background that referring physician is notified that this just happened and records are sort of seamlessly transferred. Is that a good summary?
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're nailing it. Um, I, I would add a, a couple of points there. The system is universal. We have a, we have a, um, a strong mantra that, that where we say, educate, don't mandate. So our goal is to provide insight to the referring provider or their staff. In your example, you actually uh, said that they, we select the recipient resource first. That, that, that That's almost uh, accurate. What we actually ask for first is, is what we refer to as plan designer payer. So the first thing that, that our system wants to understand is, is this patient participating in an ACO? Or are they participating in a narrow network? Are they in a high deductible type of, of, of situation with regards to their plan design? It's very important that we understand, you know, who, what type of plan designer, who the payer is, as far as how we can best navigate that patient. We need to understand who from the pool of prospective recipient providers accepts that patient's payment. The next thing we ask for is the resource itself. So you select endocrinology. Just with, with that information, along with other insights that, that we potentially have around geographic location, and also with regards to um, some of the data that we've we've been able to either collect ourselves or that we pull from outside sources with regards to cost and quality of the recipient entities, we're then able to provide a rank ordered list. The sending provider or staff can either then choose to uh, select somebody from that list, or as I mentioned, the system is universal. So 1.2 million provider profiles are in the system. We're constantly um, updating that. If the patient has a pre-existing relationship with a provider, or if the referring provider feels strongly that a patient needs to go to somebody that's not on our, our list, all they need to do is start typing the name of that provider, uh, select them, and then we have a number of cascading mechanisms in place that ensure that that provider is then made aware of that patient referral.
0: Even if they're not necessarily using the, the Pareto system?
1: Correct. We actually have a team of folks that are watching all the transitions and care as they occur. And if a provider has not signed up or claimed their account, which is free to do if they just go to Pareto.com, if they have not interfaced with our technologies in the past, then we cascade down to the lowest common denominator, which is still (laughs) amazingly a fax machine, where they do receive a HIPAA-compliant fax that gives them some insights as to how to go online, claim their profile. And, and then see the information with regards to that patient referral. If they don't act on that fax within a period of time that's been pre-designated, then we actually will place a phone call into their office and, and, and make sure that they're aware that there's a patient that's in need of their services.
0: And it almost is seeming to me like in some ways, the Pareto system is kind of a way to make all providers' technology interoperable.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've we've heard to, I think you're, you're, you're nailing it there. I mean, we've, we've heard our our technologies referred to as kind of a poor man's interoperability because (laughs) again, it's, you know, it's kind of another Pareto principle, 80, 80, 20 rule. You know, you're getting 80% of the benefit with, with, with 20% of the effort, so to speak. Look, I think that there've been a lot of, there's been a lot of good work done around, you know, things like health information exchange. I think that, there's also been a lot of challenges that people perhaps didn't, didn't see coming. Interoperability, in theory, um, is, is relatively easy to do. In practice, it has proven to be very challenging. You know, we, we kind of take the approach of, you know, rather than trying to boil the ocean, focusing very carefully on, on trying to improve the process and supporting that process with intuitive, easy-to-access technologies that can create a lot of value for very little effort on the end user's part. You know, I I mentioned that the the entire product for the end user really comes down to two screens, one to send referrals and one to receive them and, and manage them. On the back end, there's about 130 screens in the product that enable folks to provision their staff, to manage referrals on their behalf, that enable folks to share more information about their skill sets. We have an admin capability that enables folks to kind of design their networks and to do what we call you know, provider groups. You can refer to a group instead of referring to an individual. There's, there's a lot of depth to the back end of the product that, that's really necessary to create the value on the front end. But on the front end, we we've really focused on creating a very easy and intuitive user experience to help to drive adoption.
0: Well, it's just it seems to me very practical, like complete integration and interoperability just seems like obviously that is the ideal world. But if we've identified that one of the main points that that interoperability is necessary is at the point of referral, and you've figured out how to do that integration at that exact moment, then Mm -hmm. to your exact point, and I think naming your company Pareto, I'm understanding the branding there. (laughs) (laughs) Because if, you know, 80% of the need is Mm -hmm. happening within 20% of those inflection points, and you figured out one of them, I mean, that just makes a ton of sense. And you know what, you can do it now. (laughs) You don't have to wait until whenever all these systems are going to be integrated or...
1: Exactly. And and what what we really... What's really gotten us excited is that the exact same technology can be utilized by different types of, of, of clients in different types of situations to solve different types of problems. So if you look at our provider clients, our clinically integrated delivery systems that, that, that are using the, the technology, they're often trying to better bear risk, succeed at ACOs, prevent out migration of patients, provide a better consumer experience, ensure that they're able to knit together a number of resources that perhaps they've recently acquired that are running different types of technologies and do so in a very cost effective way. You know, there's a lot of challenges that we can address simultaneously by implementing our system. And, you know, a, would put into that category our most recent deployment with uh, Mount Sinai Health Systems in New York, who, who will be universally adopting the Pareto system across its entire uh, network of 10,000 providers. If you look at some of our payer clients, in fact, it was pretty funny, our, our earliest client that, you know, that we took live uh, back in 2012 was, of all things, a casino, MGM Resorts in Las Vegas.
0: I would not have guessed that that would be your first client.
1: You and me both. Um, it, was, it was actually pretty funny. Um, we had... Spun the, the, the technology out from our last venture. Uh, literally, we, we wheeled the whiteboards down First Street in Cambridge, <laughs> and uh, we're sitting in the in the office. And as part of that spinoff, um, Xconomy had written a small snippet about us. That the co-founders of Sermo are now focusing on on a new venture to 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 improve the process of referral management. One day, the phone rings, and it's MGM Resorts. We thought, what could they possibly want? But MGM is a self-insured employer. They're the largest employer in the state of Nevada. They have 30,000 employees, and they were designing a new type of, of, of care delivery model, a new type of plan which was centered around the patient center medical home model, where they were directly contracting now with you know 100 primary care providers within their market. And they needed a way to, to, to better manage the flow of patients from those primary care providers to specialists that were in network and identified as being perhaps higher quality, lower cost, very innovative on, on MGM's part. They were, they were dealing with a real challenge in Las Vegas in that access had become very prob- problematic. Uh, they were hearing from a number of their employees that they were having a hard time getting in to see not just primary care providers, but specialists as well. And so they, they, they decided to get proactive about really using uh, some of the leverage that they had in the market to try to improve the healthcare system. And you know we've been live with MGM now for a number of years, and, and, and it's been a fantastic relationship.
0: So, is that typically how a payer client would would work with you? In other words, they purchase and pay for the Pareto system, and then they send a communication out. Or, you know, I know your 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 philosophy is uh, educate, don't mandate. But you know, mm-hmm. in some way, they attract providers who are there in their network to, to use your system.
1: That's correct. You're nailing it. I mean, another payer client we have also in Las Vegas, well, Health Quality Care. Has a network of about eight hundred providers that are collectively taking on risk through a a plan that they are providing to consumers through the Nevada Health Co-op, the public exchange. Very similar in nature, in that yes, there is some heavy lifting involved in as far as the communications out to the participating providers and making sure that their staff are aware that patients uh, within this plan need to be transitioned through the Pareto system. But what we're able to do there is provide a much better consumer experience because now they have real-time visibility into when their patients are being referred they can support those patients and make sure they're not lost to follow up and they're also as we kind of uh, touched on earlier in the conversation more confident in their capability to take on risk because one of the riskiest things to a health plan uh, is that patients leak outside of their contracted network of providers and that comes quite costly and, and the actuarial Modeling that's been done kind of goes out the window. Um, for the patients as well, you know, if they stay within network, their co-pays and their their cost liability is significantly less than if they go outside of network. And, you know, it's not to, to no fault of the referring providers or staff, it's very hard for them to often know who is in or, or, or out of network. What Pareto does is gives them that insight at that key moment of referral. And then, you know, helps to track and, and, and support that patient to ensure that they, they don't get lost to follow-up.
0: I'm getting a bead on the notion that you're collecting a lot of really interesting analytics. And I know you have an analytics dashboard. What, what's on that dashboard?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, <laughs> we're now able to, to begin to identify down to the really individual provider level Who is a proactive and and engaged participant in the process of of getting patients seen and ensuring that there's good access to care and perhaps who is is, is less committed to that? You know, one of the the data metrics that we're able to measure is kind of time to patient contact. How quickly are folks reaching out and contacting patients? How quickly are they getting patients seen? We are doing some interesting work around enabling the participating providers to proactively share with us when they have availability. So, you know, that's kind of the ultimate Pareto optimization being able to understand that, that, that certain providers have capacity to see patients sooner. You know, we, we, We've long had a thesis, and I'll divert just for a second, that if, if you take a step back and you look at the macro view, our country is incredibly lucky. You know, we, we have an unbelievable amount of healthcare infrastructure and resource. What we always felt was that it wasn't a lack of, of, of capacity it was just a, that we needed a more intelligent way to ensure that the demand for that capacity understood that there was availability and was able to gain access to it. And, you know, when you think again, you know, sometimes the best solution is the most simple solution. So just by allowing participating providers to kind of raise their hand and say, hey, I had a last minute cancellation tomorrow and being able to broadcast that out to the, po- the network of providers who are seeing patients that potentially have a need for that type of resource, we're now able to, to ensure that that excess capacity is being utilized effectively. Not rocket science, really just leveraging the connectivity that, that that internet technologies now bring to the table, the capabilities that we have to kind of enable folks to communicate more effectively with one another to ensure that, 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 that we're utilizing our resources as efficiently and effectively as possible. So, so yes, we're, we're generating some of our own analytics. Having said that, we definitely are, are very careful not to say that we are an analytics play. We're not. We're an infrastructure that, 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 that to a large degree enables other folks to operationalize some of the analytics that perhaps they have. You know, there's a, there's a lot of data out there, as I kind of touched on earlier in the conversation, you know, retrospective data that's based on analysis on billing, you know, who are, who are the providers that are more apt to order a lot of tests, who are those that are perhaps a little less apt to do so, what are the quality metrics looking like for certain types of disease processes that are for patients that are affiliated with certain types of resources or providers? We're able to then take that insight and apply it into that critical moment in time when we're strategically navigating a patient to the next step in their care. And, you know, that's really on a client by client basis. Pareto has a methodology that we apply when we, when we take a new client live. The first step in that methodology is, is defining what we refer to as a single source of truth where we want to understand who are all of the employed providers, who are all of the affiliated providers, who are those that have been identified as being perhaps more uh, receptive to new patients versus those that aren't. And, and We want to aggregate all of that insight and then apply that insight and operationalize it into the, the, the way the patients are, are navigated throughout that ecosystem. By doing so, you know, we, we believe that we can improve access to care that we can help to decrease the cost of care, and that we can ensure that, that the clinical outcomes are optimized to the extent possible.
0: So I just have one last question for you. you sure. I, I know that you recently did a study about the timing of referrals. Could yep. you just mention your, your findings a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This was some interesting data that I believe came out of our deployment with Brigham and Women's uh, in Boston. Our team, as I mentioned, we have a team of folks that kind of track these transitions in care in real time as they're occurring. And they did a retrospective analysis on comparing the time to patient context. So, i.e., how quickly does somebody pick up the phone, call the patient, and try to ensure that they they get scheduled for that next step in their care? We, We took that data and then mapped it against the probability that that patient actually would get scheduled for an appointment. And what we found was that If you contact a patient within 24 to 48 hours of of the referral event occurring, the odds of that patient successfully scheduling an appointment went up pretty significantly by about 20%. And there's a lot of theories as to why that is the case. Perhaps if, if patients aren't contacted quickly, they might find an alternative resource. You know, they might have heard of somebody else or they may have maybe a little more time to decide that they don't want to do something. I'm not, I'm not quite sure why. We're still trying to you know, fully understand why, but there's no doubt that we saw a statistically significant metric there that kind of said that if you're, if you're proactive in, in engaging with patients, they tend to reciprocate in kind. Be, be more proactive about wanting to, to actually move to that next step in their care. Pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's definitely actionable <laughs> knowledge for sure.
1: Yeah, we, we had a, a funny request was about a year ago. Again, this was at the Brigham where they asked us if we could slow down the referral. And we thought, well, why would you ever want to do that? And I guess the, the reasoning was that patients were having a hard time getting out of their primary care physician's office without their cell phone ringing. To schedule that next step in their care, <laughs> so you know, we we thought, well, you know, that's that's probably a good problem to have.
0: But, yeah, just you know. gonna say that's uh, efficiency yeah. at its finest.
1: So, so What we yeah. found is when you can align the interests of those two sides—the referring and the receiving sides—and get them working collaboratively with one another, really, really cool things can happen.
0: If someone is interested in learning more about Pareto, where should they go?
1: They can contact us through our website through, um, or, or sales of Pareto.com. We, we have a very easy and intuitive way to just go to our website, Pareto, P A R number eight, letter o, dot com. Just hit the contact button and, and we'll get back to them expeditiously.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the program today.
1: It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at relentlesshealthvalue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far. There are over 50 at this point with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it.